Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 56, Building Out Your Client Base. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Thanks guys for joining in to another Filming with Josh podcast. Um, this is episode 56, which is awesome. We're pushing our way to 60. It's taken us a, a few years to get here, but getting them out as fast as I can. <laughs> Today, I am joined by, once again, by my friend Dave Ashworth. Dave, how many times have you been on now? Like 30? Probably half, at least. Probably half. Cool. Yeah, I like been it. on a lot. It's cool. <laughs> um, and Dave's going to talk with me today about building out your client base. Before we hop into the podcast, though, I want to encourage you, if you're not yet a member of the Filming with Josh Facebook group, hop on over to Facebook, type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. We should be at 700 members soon. So join the group and ask to join a member to be a member. And I'll be sure to uh, approve you as soon as I see that uh, request and just come join our conversations all about video and the business that goes with it. Speaking of the business, that's what we're going to talk about today. So well, Dave, why don't you uh, fill us in a little bit about what's going on today? Yeah, so we, Josh and I are both, you know, small business owners and we've had some discussions. Well, we always have business discussions, but one that we've had recently that we were like, man, we, we should kind of have this on a podcast because it's something that's so relevant for small business owners. And that is building out your client base and and the makeup, more so the makeup of your client base. You know, being a business owner myself, I'm always looking for new clients. But as we've grown over the years and started to to build out the company, we've started to look at what type of clients and what size clients should we be bringing in and the advantages and disadvantages um, to bringing on different clients. You know, there's the 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 bigger clients that everybody likes, right? Because it's that that big top line number. And those are great. They can be great. They can really accelerate your growth. But there's also a risk that comes with those as well. So so our conversation is going to is going to be talking about uh, some different ways to think about how you should be building it out because that's something that, in many ways, you and I are both still figuring out in our businesses how to do that, how to build that out, what that looks like. Um, so that's kind of what our conversation is going to going to be about today. So on that note, tell people a little bit about your business and mm-hmm. what it is that you do. So. We run or I run an outsourced accounting business. So we work with clients, other small businesses on a monthly basis, typically helping them with their accounting. So that's anywhere from bookkeeping work to doing like a full monthly financial close, some specialized reporting up to some monthly controller and CFO work. So kind of all different levels. And with that, to kind of piggyback on our conversation comes all different types and size clients that we get to work with. Now, let's backtrack a little. So your the name of your business is the Quantify Group. And when you guys first got started, correct me if I'm wrong, but through some of our conversations we've had over the years, haven't you guys changed directions a little bit? Didn't you used to do more tax stuff and then you kind of changed that up some mm-hmm. over the years? You know, when most people think of accountants, they think of taxes. What made you change directions? Yeah, it's a good question. Now, we have had many iterations in our business over the years. Uh, When we first started, we were just doing tax returns. Uh, My background was in tax. I came out of a large public accounting firm as well as my partner, and we knew how to do tax returns. So that's 
the route that we went right away because it's it was an easier sell. It was a, a lot lower ticket item. So we could get a lot of things in the door and get some momentum quickly. As we kind of continued down that path over the years, we we a couple reasons that we wanted to get out of that business. One, uh, all of the work was pretty compact into a season. So a lot of people are familiar with like tax season or busy season. It's usually that time from like January to April 15th where all the tax work, you know, tax returns are being prepared. So probably 80% of our revenue was packed into three months of the year, four months of the year. Uh, and that just wasn't the model that we were looking for. Um, we really wanted to build more relationships with our clients instead of seeing them once a year and then just hoping they came back the next year. We wanted to find a way to work with them on a monthly basis if we could. Uh, we also wanted to bring more value to them. A lot of tax prep is is just data entry for the most part. There is some planning that goes into it, but uh, we really wanted to spread out that work, build those relationships. Uh, and we really just liked working with other entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, so so that was kind of the reason for the, for the change. But a lot of it ties back into our conversation here from a, a business decision standpoint, it made more sense to go the route that we're going to kind of spread out our revenue uh, diversify some of our risk, which I know that we're going to talk about, um, and just and not have like a, a a crazy busy season for a couple months, and then be really slow for the rest of the year. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think uh, for me, I can relate in certain ways. So today, I still get a lot of what I call one-off jobs, where I get a client, we do a video for them, and then they're good, and they may never call me again because they got their video, or if they do, it might be two, three years down the road when they're ready to update it. Um, but over the last few years, probably last three or four years, I've started getting a lot more um, a lot more clients that want to have uh, a series of videos or maybe they have like monthlies that they want to put out or maybe they want to do, um, hey, we're going to do like 30 Q&A videos and then we're going to meet again in like seven months and do 30 more. And so... Those types of clients I like because you're getting this constant repeat business and you have to learn how to target those clients because for me in the video world, a small mom and pop is going to be your one-off client. They're not going to be coming back again and again and again for video work that's kind of, you know, because video is a little expensive. It's not like, you know, you're pulling out your cell phone, you got to pay for expenses and everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a mom and pop's going to pay for that over and over and over again. You got to target like corporate companies, like engineering firms, for example, that have the budget and want to keep coming back because they have a lot of different avenues of marketing that they want to go down. So it sounds to me like that's a lot of what you did because you, you know, you had your one-off tax clients, but then, Hey, see you next year. Um, but you want to be able to bring in a lot more recurring business and diversify your portfolio that way. Now to that extent, like, let's talk about how did you find, like, how did you get your customers to do that? Did you target people that were already tax customers for you or did you have to find a whole new client it was a combination of both it was a combination of both i think it, the conversation first started or the the process first started with identifying the the clients that would need the work that we were doing right i couldn't you know tax work right could be an individual like i couldn't go after an individual for monthly accounting work right that they're, they have no use for that. They have no need for that. They don't even own a business. It's so like I had my to mom and pop change. in a way. 
Right. I had to change yeah. my targeting, right? Like uh, a, a small business is not going to want to pay, you know, a, a high monthly fee for someone to do their accounting and they probably don't need it anyway. So I had to really first identify the businesses that needed what we were offering and then find ways to go and target them. Um, that was kind of the, the starting point, but tax was part of that. Um, you know, one of the one of the ways that we went about it was we would go after these businesses and maybe they didn't need our accounting work yet or or that kind of higher level of work, but maybe we could do their tax return for a year. Well, that was a good way to build that relationship with them, to get to know them, to show them that we knew what we were doing. And then down the line, it's like, hey, by the way, like we can handle your accounting for you for the year, or maybe they grow into that in the future. And so that was a good way to get some people in the door to then try to expand on the services that we really wanted to be doing. Yeah, you know, it's I, I just yesterday did something really similar. I had a, a client that I've, I've done some work for in the past, but I wanted to get more consistent work out of them. And I knew that this individual had been struggling to manage their social media. And I'm no social media guru, but I know enough to be dangerous. And so I just, you know, I've already got my foot in the door. I'm already doing some video and some photo work for them. And I just said, hey, you know, what do you guys think about paying me a monthly fee to go in and, and manage your social media? Well, two things happens when that happens. One, I now have a recurring paycheck from them every month. And two, if I can prove to them that I can help them grow their social media, then they're going to want to come back and do more photo and video work to give me more content to put on that social media. So it just kind of fuels itself in that way. Um, but finding those clients, I think, is where a lot of people struggle. It's easy to say, go find repeat business, but where do you look? So what, what advice do you have for finding for any small business owner trying to find repeat business like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that topic can definitely be like a a full podcast in its own, you know, full marketing. But just just to throw out a couple a couple thoughts. One thing that I will say is don't focus all of your efforts on just one avenue. Um, that's something that I did for a long time. I just all I was going to do is I was going to network and try to get referrals coming in the door. That was my only focus. Uh, and in seasons of life where where that's not going to work as well, maybe you know, go a couple months where no one sends a referral because they're inconsistent, that can really put a damper on your business and your growth. And so what I would say is find a couple different avenues that can work for you. So for us, we've started to build out, build out some email campaigns. We actually have some calling campaigns. I do a lot of uh, outreach on LinkedIn. That's like really good for my industry. And so I've done started to do all of these different things so that in a month where referrals aren't coming in, I have these other avenues that are still building momentum. And then they all can speak to each other too if you if you build it out properly. So um, you're gonna have to figure out what works in your business because every business is different. I know for you going to shows and different things probably could work really well. That That probably wouldn't be the same case for my business and that's okay. But you have to figure out a couple different avenues um, and push into all of those. That would be my my main recommendation. That's one big lesson that I've learned uh, over the years of doing this. Yeah, especially so you said like you did a lot of networking and that was like one area that you focused on solely for a bit and getting referrals. Networking for me at least, a lot of networking takes place face-to-face. -face. I can call people and I can make, uh, I can expand my network through 
messaging people on Facebook and stuff. But to be honest, the best way that I've ever been able to network, and probably for most people this is true, is face-to-face interaction. Um, How I do that is, for me, is I am members of the New Braunfels Chamber of Commerce, where I live, as well as the JCs or Junior Chamber. And I go to a lot of mixers and a lot of events, and I meet a lot of people that way. And I'm always meeting new people. And I'm walking around, hey, how's it going? I'm Josh. You know, tell me, like, what's your name and what do you do? And I let them talk all about them. And then I talk about what do I do. And, you know, it's great. And even if I don't get a client from someone like that, um, I make a referral, essentially, because it's, it's it's a referral partner. It's someone who, yeah. down the road, if they if they have someone that says to them, man, I really need to get a video done, he can be like, I actually met this guy the other day at the chamber. That's I right. got his card. Let me find it. You know what I mean? But the challenge is, is, and this is what you said, is that can't be your only avenue. And a good example of that is 2020. <laughs> what happens when all the networking face-to-face stops? And we've proven that that can happen. You yeah. can never have only one avenue in business. Yeah. You can't. You can't because who would have anticipated a year like we had in 2020, like nobody, right? And even the things we can anticipate, you still can't go with just one route, but there's a lot of things that are gonna happen that you can't anticipate. And so it's just, it's just risky to go that way. I, you know, for me, my, my number one is still referrals. It's still meeting people face-to-face, building that relationship with them, and then them referring their clients. That's still my number one. Like it's a warm lead. It's my highest close rate. Um, there's no doubt about it, but even in times now where things are, you know, pretty much back to normal, it still is inconsistent, right? Because some months I'll get, you know, three, four five referrals in, and then I'll go three months without a referral. Well, what am I going to do in those three months? Right? Like, right. Just twiddle my thumbs. No, I, I need <laughs> other things to do. Like I need to be building the business. I need to be growing every month. And so doing these, doing these other things whatever that is for your business. Like for you, like we talked about, you know, meeting people face to face. But another big thing for you is people seeing some of your work, yeah. right? Like I I can't really show people my work like you can. That's a huge advantage put your that you have. Paperwork right? up on a big screen. Yeah, what am I gonna do? Put a, put a, <laughs> a report on the screen behind me and be like, hey, you want this? Like, of course not. Like no one's gonna do that. But when you're at a show and you have your a big screen and you're playing your videos, people are, are stopping to look like, wow, that's really good. Maybe I could use that for my business like that. Being in that business and doing those things is a huge advantage. Like getting as many eyes on your stuff as possible is good, but that's specific to your business, right? right. And so everybody's got to, they have to figure out what works for them. Um, but building out those different streams is um, I mean, that's, that's the number one thing that I would recommend. It's just going to be different for every business. Yeah. So I think, I think to that point, I think everyone, whether you're a photographer, whether you're a videographer, whether you're in accounting, whether you're have a car wash business, you have to figure out where is my customer most likely to be a and B what is going to get them to want to talk to me. Like you have to have, you have to figure those two things out. So for for me, I've, I've talked about the face-to-face going and meeting people at, at chamber events. Uh, but then I've started getting into like what you talked about, touched on for me is the trade shows. Because I know that my customers are the, the ones that have the repeat business. They're going to be bigger companies. They're going to be engineering firms. They're going to be medical device companies or medical companies in general. They're going to be... Um, 
large manufacturers, industrial companies, big corporations, those are the people that are going to have the repeat business that I'm looking for. Well, where do those people, where do a lot of them go? Well, a lot of them go, especially the decision makers, they go to trade shows where new, you know, if it's a medical trade show where new medical devices are going to be coming out to the market and decision makers are walking the floor to look at what's coming to network, to make deals. If you're in the hunting video industry, that could be like, uh, uh, the ATA show or Dallas Safari Club type show. If you're yep. looking uh, for me, another example would be uh, builders trade shows. I do a lot of work in the building industry, whether it's marketing yep. home builders or whatever. Well, going to those trade shows for me is a great place for me to target those decision makers from those bigger companies because they're industry shows. And then you show up and for me, I have a booth and I'm a big flat screen behind me. And we've only done one show so far, but it was a huge success because we had this flat screen and we had um, like our names out, our name out there. And I brought a bunch of my equipment at the time that I did the show. I had my FS7 and which a big camera and I had the map box in front and all this stuff. And so people stop and they had a drone on the table. They want to talk. They're like, whoa, what is this? And they see the TV in the background and they see examples of if it's Dallas Fari, they see examples of hunting. If it's a builder's trade show, they see examples of building related uh, content and it makes them want to stop and talk to me. And that's just a great way to target my client. But you right. have, that's my client. You have to identify what is that for you? Right. Because in accounting, you, that would never work for you. No, it would never it work wouldn't. for you. So for you, you've identified that LinkedIn works. So talk talk to us a little bit about kind of how you figure that out and what is it you do on LinkedIn that allows yeah. you to reach your target audience. So one thing I want to say before we before I dive into that is um, to just to stick on the referral side of it briefly. One of the biggest opportunities that I see most small business owners make, and I've made the same mistake. I, I don't do a good job at it, but for any business, I believe that our number one source of new clients should be coming from our current client base. And the reason I say that is because the clients that you're working with know you, they trust you, they like you, and they want to help you. And if they introduce you to somebody they are giving a firsthand account of what it's like to work with you, what it's like to work with Josh. Josh, you know, I, I'm a client. Josh made this awesome video for our company. Uh, we've been working with him for years. You need to work with Josh. Like he's crushed it for us. What do you think that person is going to say? They're at, at a minimum, they're going to take a meeting with you and take it seriously because mm -hmm. this person is bringing it to the table that they trust, right? And I think where a lot of people miss the boat on the referral side is, they don't ask their clients for referrals. So true. Right? A lot of people just expect that to come from their clients. I've I've done a poor job of this over the years. I've I've had to be very intentional about asking my clients and your clients want to help you, right? Like your clients like you, they trust you, they want to help, but they're also running a business. They're yeah, super they've got, busy dude, themselves. They're not walking around thinking, oh my no. gosh, how am I going to help Dave grow his business today? But, That's right. But if you ask that client, if you're like, hey, Josh, you know, because you've done some work for me actually. And mm -hmm. if you're like, hey, Josh, you know, um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I really like the project we did or whatever. Um, how can I, you know, is there any way that you would mind giving some referrals to, uh, you know, anybody that you know that might fit my business and then I'm going to be thinking about it. It's in my head and I'll be like, oh, you know, right. Dave, I, I, I was really happy with what he, what he did for me and he asked me to help him and I'm going to, I'm going to help him if I can, you right. know? 
yeah, that you, you have to ask. You're not going to get anything if you don't ask. And you're, I'm telling you, if you're worried about it, you, you know, it can feel uncomfortable asking. Your clients aren't going to care. If you are doing a good job for your clients and they like you, they're not going to care, right? And one thing that you can do to take it even a step further is identify some companies or people that they know, right? One thing that I use all the time is this is one way I use LinkedIn. I could talk about other ways in a second, but let's say that Josh uh, is a client of mine. So I'll go on Josh's LinkedIn and see who he's connected to that I want to talk with. And I'll go to Josh and say, Josh, I looked through your LinkedIn. I noticed these 10 people, they would be potentially a really good client for me. Would you be okay introducing me to them, right? What are you going to say? Like, that's the easiest thing. I'll write up the email. You don't have to do any work. You just copy and paste it in. Now I just met 10 business owners that are in my target, right? And coming from a client that I work with, like now things are happening. And then you do that with every client. That's a very, very easy way to get in front of your target very quickly. Dude, okay. So we got it. We got to run with this for a second. So last, no, beginning of 2020, like, Two months before COVID hit. Um, mm-hmm. So w- when I was in college back in like 2013 or so, um, the dean of the business department that I was in hired me for a commercial project to do a, mar- a recruitment video for the College of Business business at Stephen F. Austin State University where I was attending. It was really cool because I was getting hired by the university to do a project for the university. It was the, my first like big job. Well, we scripted the project. We shot it all over Texas, like getting like former um, former SFA graduates that were doing big things. Like the 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 founder of CEO uh, and CEO of Mattress Firm is an SFA graduate. So like we went and got mm-hmm. shots of him at his corporate headquarters. So we got all these shots and we made this recruitment video for SFA and it was awesome. And that was in like 2013, 14. And then in 2020, like seven years, six, seven years later, that dean finds me on LinkedIn messages me up and said that she was working as an interim dean at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette and was talking to the marketing department about doing a similar video that we had done like seven years ago <laughs> for for their college. And I there's no way I could ever just pick up the phone and call UL Lafayette. There's no way. They're a huge school. No. They're not going to answer my phone. No. But she got me in the door. So we did the project. It got postponed because of COVID because they shut the campus down. Um, literally the week I was going is when COVID hit. So we pushed it off toward to, to last year, did the project. It was awesome. And so I did exactly what you did. I've enjoyed it so much. And now I've done two of them. So I reached out to that dean on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago, and I said, hey, I just wanted to thank you again for helping me get those two jobs. They meant a lot to me, um, and I've really enjoyed them. And I just wanted to know, do you have any advice on how I could get additional college recruitment videos? And do you have anybody that you might be willing to introduce me to to help me get my foot in the door? Well, after discussing back and forth on LinkedIn, that former dean, here's what she's doing for me. She's going to... This is the perfect thing. She's going to a show, essentially, or it's like a, it's like an event that's going to have deans from colleges all across the South. And she's going to, she asked me to give her, like you just said, a target uh, or a list of targeted colleges I would want her to focus on. And she's going to approach the, the deans of every single one of those colleges. Mm-hmm. 
and show them the video that we did and ask if they would want an introduction to me. She is, she could get me a freaking ton of work from that. And all I had to do was ask her. She was going to the event anyway. I didn't even know she was going to the event. She brought it up. All I had to do was just message her and say, is there any way you'd be willing to help me get get your foot in the door? And she was happy to help because she loved the work we did. Of course she is. Yeah. And so I'm going to get potentially my foot in the door with colleges all across the South, not just Texas, that I would never, ever, ever have any connection to in any way, shape, or form. So you have to do that. You never know where that's going to lead. Yep. And if, yeah, like the big thing, that big takeaway from there is she was happy to help, right? Yeah. But if you didn't ask, is she going to go out of her way no. and say, okay, I'm going to go talk to every dean and show them Josh's video just because? Of course no. not. No. Right? She's happy to do it. Happy to do it. But you have to ask. And and you didn't ask her to do that, right? You didn't say, hey, can you talk to... No, you just said, hey, you know, I'd love to do more of this. Uh, do you have do you any advice? Anybody? I asked if she had any... I said, do you have yeah, any advice perfect. or anybody that you would be, perfect. Um, you know, willing, willing to introduce me to? That's all I asked. I didn't ask right. her too much. I let her... I let yep. her be the one to go and ask for that. Yep. Or and offer if you to do, do that. If you do good work, like... It'll, it'll speak for itself, right? And people will want to help. So that's, yeah, that's a perfect example of like how, how this can work. Um, yeah. One other thing that you mentioned in there too, kind of playing off of this is one thing that I like to do is I like to keep a running list of like potential targets. So companies, whatever it is. And then if I don't know like what to ask somebody for, or I don't know how to you know, build value in the relationship, I'll just say, hey, I have this running list of companies that I think would be really good for us to talk to and work with. Do you know anybody on this list, right? Sure. Super easy way to do it. And then it's just a running list. It can be 200 companies in there. Maybe they know the CEO at one of them and they're like, hey, I actually know this person. I'd be happy to do an intro. Well, now you're getting in front of somebody that's in your target. So same idea as kind of what you said, but just a different route. And there's so many ideas around this. Um, and again, keep in mind, this is still just one route, right? This is still just the referral route, but there's a lot of different things you can do within that. And then, you know, get a different route and do a lot of things in there. Right. Like, and dude, like and LinkedIn this is, we talked about. And this is me. an exciting route. Like we're, we're, we're talking about like a lot of opportunity here, but yet we both said this is not even our number one route. That's the right. thing, right? And so if you if you do the face-to-face stuff, you go to the networking events, you join the chambers, you do all that, but then you also have the, the LinkedIn's and the trade yep. shows or whatever else it is, there's all these avenues open for you to, yep. to, 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 yeah. make, to make clients out of. One is slow, another one is going. When that one slows down, something else is going. And 100%. Maybe there's a shift. Maybe there's a pandemic and it's like, okay, I can't do face-to-face now. I need to shift my focus to something else, right? But if you didn't have those other things built out, now you're starting from scratch and now you're gonna be way behind the eight ball. So again, it still goes back to kind of building out these different things um, and keeping them all running at all times. If you wanna see kind of, if you wanna see consistent growth in your business, you you know, you really don't have a choice, my opinion. So let's let's talk a little bit more about LinkedIn. So LinkedIn yeah. for me is an interesting place. I have never spent mm-hmm. too much time on there. I just got to talking about what I did with the dean there. I mm-hmm. post on there like once in a blue moon. However, my good friend Danny Dodge, who does video and just outside of Denver, Danny is all over LinkedIn with video and he's teaching people about video on LinkedIn and he's talking mm-hmm. about how to do things and he has gotten so many jobs mm-hmm. from LinkedIn. It is his number one resource for getting clients and I've barely tapped into it. 
you have. And mm -hmm. I know that one thing that you do on LinkedIn, because I subscribe to you and I see these updates, is you do some like videos where you talk about different topics. Tell me about what it is you do on LinkedIn and how you're using it to help you find leads. So mine is probably a couple different, uh, there's a couple different parts to the strategy. It's not one piece. Uh, I would say uh, the first piece is the content. So that is a way that when I'm um, connecting with people on LinkedIn, they're seeing my content. So that's just more of like a strategy to present myself as an expert in, in my field, but also just for people to see my name over in my face over and over again. Uh, so that's kind of the first part. Uh, the second part is, is kind of twofold. So it's a it's an outreach strategy. So there's a couple tools on LinkedIn. One is Sales Navigator. I have some other tools that I use, but you can target businesses based on all sorts of parameters. So industry, size, location, etc. This goes back to figuring out what your target is. So really dialing in. Okay, for us, our target is specific revenue size companies or employee count. Certain industries are really good in certain locations. So I'm able to dial that in. Uh, oh, and then the, um, the, the, the role of the person. So we typically work with like the owner, the CEO, whoever's running the business. So I'm able to dial that in and then get a list of people that are in that target. And then I, I, I use LinkedIn to then start connecting with my target. Uh, and then my strategy is kind of twofold then. So, and I kind of have been playing with both and they've both worked. So one is I connect with them and then I send them a message and say, Hey, I, you know, I like what you're doing. I'd love to chat to see if we could potentially serve each other or collaborate on something. Are you open to that? Very simple, right? That's, that's my message. I'm just giving it away. That's my message. Most people are open to that. And they know that when you're talking to somebody on LinkedIn, that I have some interest in serving them from an accounting standpoint, and they probably do to me. We're both gonna look at each other's profiles. And a lot of times, like we'll have this call and I'm going into it, I'm not going into it just to sell. I'm going into it to meet somebody, to see to truly see if we can help each other. That's a big, that's a big thing too. Like just connecting and then meeting and then pitching. And if they can't buy your services, like basically saying, forget you. Not a good strategy. Doesn't no, work. You have to no, be. No, no. You have to be genuine about really just getting to know somebody. And I am. I really am. Like I, if I can't do anything for you from a, an accounting standpoint, like how else can I help you? And I mean that when I ask that question. So that's one route. The other route is like I'll send a message where I am actually just straight up asking, hey, you know, what is your accounting? What does your accounting department look like? Is there anything that that we could do to serve you? Are you open to a conversation? The one is very qualified where it's like, if they say yes to that one, then they're interested, right? That one doesn't get as many responses. So I'm still in the process of trying to figure out which message is better. Cause one, like I said, is very qualified. I don't have as many meetings. So it takes less of my time. The other one is I'm just getting to know people. So it takes more time cause I meet more people, but, but a lot of time, oftentimes, you know, potential prospects come from that as well. So that is kind of my my strategy. And then a lot of times, you know, I'll send them a message and then they're seeing my content because we're connected and then they'll reach out six months later, a year later, whatever the case might be. But in general, that's kind of my 
my LinkedIn strategy for now. And it evolves over time, but in general, that's, and there's tools to automate a lot of this stuff. Um, but in general, that's kind of my strategy. One thing that really sticks out to me is you talked about like genuinely offering to help people. Yeah. I think it's really important in networking, whether you're doing it on LinkedIn or you're doing it in person. If you just yeah. go up and are like, hey, I'm Josh, buy a video for me. Or hey, I'm Dave, hire me to do your taxes or your bookkeeping right. or whatever. It, that's not going to go very far. It, no. You could get a job or two like that. But it's really about building, at least to me and our services industries it's about building relationships if you're selling a a t-shirt that would be different but you know we're we're in a service industry and people have to trust you they have to like you and know you and like want to work with you and so a a big part of how i i think that uh, like for me how i'm focusing on that right now is as a as a member of the chamber i have uh, joined some committees like for instance we're putting on a trade show they are, the chamber is. They put on a trade show here in town every year. It's a business trade show where businesses across town could come and have booths, et cetera, like we talked about earlier. Well, I asked to join the trade show committee to help volunteer my time and help volunteer some of the things that I can offer to help them with the trade show. So I'm not even asking for pay, but for free was like, hey, if you guys will give me like a booth at the show and maybe make me a sponsor of the show, um, so I can have a, you know, my name on it. I will volunteer my time to do a lot of marketing content to help you guys grow the show. I'm not asking them to pay me anything. I'm just right. saying, hey, I want to help you guys advertise the show. Would you mind giving me a booth and maybe put my name on the sponsor thing afterward? And they're like, yeah, heck yeah, we'll do it. You know, they were all about it because it's not really costing them anything. So I'm going in and I'm using my services to help them grow their trade show and to help them advertise it and everything else. And by doing that, I am getting a couple things. I'm getting a booth. I'm getting my name on on the show, but more uh, as a sponsor. But the more than that, what I'm doing is I'm earning trust. I'm showing people that I'm willing to volunteer. I'm willing to help out. Yeah, I asked for a booth, but I'm also not coming to you saying, hey, pay me 10 grand to market your show. I'm saying, hey, here's something I could do for you. Would you mind doing this yeah. for me? And meanwhile, I'm going to help you guys and we're going we're gonna to get more attendance than, you, than you've ever had because yeah. I'm going to help you market the heck out of this thing. Plus, I'm getting to be in front of by marketing the trade show. I pitched them the idea of being going around town and getting um, video clips, testimonials of different businesses who have attended over the years. And, and again, it's not costing them any money for them to do this, but it's free advertising for me because I'm showing up and I've got my camera gear in front of all these businesses across town. And, and I'm going in and saying, hey, I'm such and such with the chamber. Would you mind doing a testimonial? Um, about the trade show and then I'm sitting there getting a testimonial on a on a boom mic with a camera and a map box cinema camera and a map box and a big light and they're going to ask me naturally what do you do well I'm not there asking them for their business I'm there just asking for a testimonial for the chamber I'm showing them that I'm there to help the chamber out I'm not asking for their business but it's just getting in front of people and finding ways to be in front of them without pitching to them. I think it's really important. And then just volunteering your time without asking for anything in return. Just like, hey, how can I help you guys out? Is there anything I could do? You guys need help setting up uh, for this big event you got coming up? I can get there early in the morning, bring everybody copy and help set up some tables or whatever. And just being a part of the community and just helping people in different ways. How can I help you grow your business? What's a good referral for you? You do those things, man. You will earn trust. You will get people to know like, man, that Josh guy or that Dave guy, those are those people you can count on. And 
eventually that could lead to business or if nothing else lead to them referring people to you. 100%. I mean, a perfect example of that as well is the filming with Josh page and the filming with Josh podcast, right? Like maybe you've gotten some work from it. I don't know if you have or not. I have no idea, but a little bit, but not I, a ton. I guarantee that you've put in a lot more work and effort than you've gotten back. Oh, right? 100%. <laughs> but, but right. You are people on that page are looking to you, right? So if something does come up and this is a long-term play for you, probably I'm guessing yeah. a long-term play, like you're presenting yourself as an expert for the long term, like things will come from this. But even if they don't, like you have a passion to help people and to provide value. And that's why you're doing this. And it and it comes through in the page and these podcasts, like it comes through. And that goes a long way. That goes a long way. Um, I did want to ask you, ask you one other question kind of related to this. So, and this is something that we've talked about a lot. This is kind of the, what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast was the not necessarily finding the clients but like the the makeup of your clients right because obviously you're going to have clients that are smaller you're gonna have clients that are bigger you know some of these clients that you're working with the chamber you know might be on the smaller side potentially yeah you know you don't know but they they typically are Typically are. But by um, smaller, I mean, it's not like I'm trying to say that they're they're small no, people or they're dark or anything like that. It's just more that the type of people I meet at the chamber are almost always going to be one-off projects. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's not going to be like a giant corporation that's no. just constantly churning out videos. No, nah, it's going to be, hey, can you do a brand video for right, us or something like right. that? Yeah. So talk about, and, and you know, I can share on this too, but talk about why you feel it's important to kind of have a good mix yeah. of bigger clients, smaller clients, and and the reason for that. Because I think that's something that I know I missed for a long time, but now I feel like I'm starting to understand the importance of that and also how to, how to build out a client base that is not only profitable, but diversifies some of my risk as an owner. Yeah, so there's two, I have two things that kind of um, helped me realize I needed to mix up a little bit my client base. One was COVID. When COVID happened, um, people, some people in the video business specifically did really well. They continued to operate and some people, myself included, did not. COVID hit me really hard. The reason was most of my clients at that time were all either medical companies that were elective. So electives for uh, for several months weren't allowed to have like procedures because of covid they didn't want people having elective surgeries so all the cl- cus- uh, all the employees of these medical companies were furloughed during covid well if they're furloughed and i'm not going to be doing any work so like all those projects got shut down the universities i had all the campuses shut down and then all the corporate companies i had had to go through these big mask policies and they didn't want to have me come in and film in their corporate offices with people wearing masks. So because of that, like almost all my work for the most part got put on hold for months. And I'm like, holy crap, I have no work. And I went from like doing awesome in business to, I literally had to go get on contractors unemployment, which was like humiliating for me. Because I was like killing it in business and all of a sudden this stupid little virus thing happens and next thing you know, I've got no clients. 
So that that showed me that I really needed to diversify my portfolio because there are other people that were in other industries that it didn't really affect and they were still out shooting video on a daily basis. And so I, that showed me that I needed to have some of the clients I had because they're great clients, but I also needed clients that were in different industries that were not affected by that. Um, and then business growth happened. Like I got into live streaming because of that. Now I offer that as a yeah. service. Um, that was yeah. one of the ways I bounced back. The second thing was I had got I had gotten to a point really up into the beginning of this year where I had been really dependent upon like two or three big clients. I have had a bunch of clients, but I had two or three really big heavy hitters that were giving me just project after project after project. The projects were always, um, they always had healthy budgets to them. So I was feeling really great. But then like two of them ended up having some things go on and it's not like I lost them as a client or anything, but they pushed their work that we had been doing. They pushed it off for several months because they had some churnover happen in the business and they had to kind of figure some stuff out and they're like hey you know all that stuff we were going to do we can't do that until like late spring now and i was freaking out because it's like crap i've done it again i put all my eggs in a couple baskets and now i'm scrambling to find work to fill in all these gaps so because of that it has really come to my attention that diversifying your portfolio and having a good mix of clients um is the way to go. So by doing that, or to help me do that, I've really pushed a lot at the chamber and at the JCs or junior chamber to get a lot of these one-off jobs to to make sure I have a huge portfolio of these one-off jobs so that when the big fish, if they do that, if these big clients, if they do push me off for any reason for a couple months or whatever, I have all these other one-off jobs I can fall back on. And you never know when a one-off job is going to lead to uh, a bigger fish. So to me, it was just learning that I can't put all my eggs in these corporate businesses. I have to have a portfolio that has a mixture of both. And they have to be a variety of industries so that in the event of something like COVID or whatever, I'm not out of work. But that's kind of how what's led me to get down this route. So I do trade shows to target really big companies. And then I do a lot of networking locally to target the one-off clients or the one-off projects. And I try to do a healthy mix. What about you? Similar. And our businesses are very different, very different, but... Uh, very similar philosophy on, on how it goes. You know, we have uh, we have a couple clients that we work with that are a, a big chunk of revenue for us. They just are. Uh, they've grown over time. They've you know quadrupled over time, and they've not, they've just turned into huge clients. And they're great. They're great. The issue becomes we have to put a lot of resources into servicing those clients, and at some point they're going to leave. So when they decide to leave, then what? Then, then what are, what are we doing? You're right? right where I was when those clients 100%. pushed my projects off for several months. Yeah, I'd be I'd be in trouble. Um, right. And so, what we've decided to do is for a couple reasons is to take on some smaller clients. One, it fills in your work, right? Like a lot of these bigger clients, you're not sitting there working with them all the time. Like you might have a day off here, a day off here. Well, in those days, you know, we can do some bookkeeping work that takes four hours a month. You you could go and shoot a quick video and edit it up in a day that takes you know a thirty second video right, um, so in addition to kind of filling in your time, you're building that relationship. So back with a, back to what I said in the beginning, I still feel like uh, uh, our best marketing strategy is referrals from current clients. Yeah. Well, 
even if that client is really small, who knows who they can introduce? You don't know to, who right? they know, dude. No idea. I was I was sitting at a meeting uh, just a few days ago. A guy guys like, yeah, man. Um, yesterday I was having dinner with Greg Abbott. I'm like, huh? You know, and we start talking, and and dude, he knows so many people. And here I am right. thinking of him as like a one off client, but dude, he knows everybody. You never right. know, man. That's right. And if if you do a good job for him. Right. And then you go to him and say, hey, um, you know, I I'm looking for more work. I know we worked really well together. Who else do you know? Well, it turns out he knows, you know, I, what, I don't know what that guy's role is. The senator, the congressperson. Greg from Abbott, Texas. dude, he's like, he's the governor. Should be governor, president. Whatever. Should be president of the United States. Whatever he is. That's, a, <laughs> that's another conversation. <laughs> but you get you get the idea, right? Like, you did a small thing for this guy, and then he's introducing you to like Greg Abbott to do something for the state of Texas, right? Again, extreme I may, example. I may end this podcast because you don't know who Greg Abbott was. Exactly. I know who he is. I just didn't know his role. <laughs> I didn't know his role. I know who he is. Um, but that's like the point, right? That's no. the point. Like, you, in addition to that, like a smaller job, just because they're a smaller job today, doesn't mean that their business doesn't blow up. And next year, they're a big job themselves because they're growing. The work that you're doing, that I'm doing, is helping them grow and expand their business. And then because of that work, our services and the work that we do for them can expand. So there's so many things that can come from that, um, you know, diversifying risk. One caveat that I would say, though, is, and you can speak to this too, is like, we won't just take work just just to diversify risk, just to fill up our time. It still has to be profitable work. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it still has to, you know, we still have to be able to do what we need to do and still make a very similar amount of profit than as the bigger jobs, which is totally possible, right? Now it might not fit for everybody. There might be smaller companies that are like, yeah, like I, you know, I can't afford this and that, and that's fine, but the jobs still have to be profitable on some level or, or it's just not, you're actually losing money. It's just not going to be worth the potential upside, the diversifying the risk if you're if they're not a profitable job. So I do want to preface this conversation with with that side of it. Yeah, and one thing to that note. So whenever I like from from the video standpoint, for instance, and, and you can speak on this because it's probably similar for you, I'm, I'm betting. But from a video standpoint, when I say like a, a bigger client, I'm not meaning like a bigger client because they're going to pay me more for my time. All my clients pay me the same for my time. A bigger client just simply has maybe a bigger right. project or more consistent projects. And so when someone's a one-off client or a smaller client, that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that I'm not they're not still valuing or paying for the same amount for my time. It's just their projects are smaller and may yep. only be like once every few years. Well, from your perspective, isn't it probably somewhat similar? Like if you have you you said that if you're when you diversify your portfolio or diversify your client base, you're looking for customers, you're like your long-term plays, you want Re, a lot of bigger repeat customers, but that you also do the smaller ones, but they but they still have to value your time the same, right? Hundred percent. So really, what what it comes down to is, and not to not to speak in accounting terms, but it's it's your profit margin on the job, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, let's say that I have a bigger client and my profit margin is twenty percent. Well, if I do a smaller client, I I want my profit margin to be twenty percent as well. So right. if I get five of those smaller clients at 20% profit margin, it should basically be like one big client. 
That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about taking on a, a smaller job and they're not paying for our time and it's a lot less profitable or it's actually a loss simply to diversify risk, to fill in our time, to build our network. Like that's not what we're talking about. So you right. do want to be strategic about it. But really the word that I would use is profit margin. Having the like the yep. same, pro and it's not going to be perfect, but having a similar profit margin on a bigger client they just are utilizing more time, more services. They're a bigger company typically. Um, and a smaller company is just utilizing less time, less services, but the margin is still the same. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that because that's that's how I see it. Like this weekend or Friday, I'm driving down to East Texas. I'm shooting at a school for like two hours and I'm making a video for this pipeline company that's just about how they're giving back to schools in the community and teaching like sandblasting classes and stuff. And I'm just... I'm going to be shooting for a couple hours and making them like a 60 second Instagram video, but my profit margin is the same as it would be for my biggest client. It's just, it's just one day. It's just like a day's right. worth of work. So understanding that diversifying your clients doesn't mean changing your profit margin. It just means, um, having different scale of projects. I guess at least that's how I would see it from our, our world. hundred percent. One thing that I've noticed too is, and, and maybe this is similar for you, um, it getting a bigger client typically they're a lot harder to find way harder a lot harder to, to bring on board so they're great but if i just focus my business on that like there's going to be so much up and down and you know i you know we haven't brought on like a really big client in months like we brought on some smaller ones and that and those are those are great too but those are a lot harder to find it's a longer sales cycle so if i'm just focused on that then you know my my revenue isn't going to go up until I get another hit there. Well, if I can fill in fill in some of that, then my growth instead of going like this, well, no one can see me, but instead of going like in a sharp line up and then you know plateauing, sharp line up, plateauing, it could be more of a smooth growth line up by filling in with some of these smaller jobs, smaller clients that still have the same amount of profit. And, and, that's, and less that's a big risk, deal. right? Because if you for spend sure. all your time after looking for big clients and then you finally get one and then you lose them five months down the road, you're right back where you started. Huge if not risk. worse, if you're accounting on that. Probably worse because you have to put so many resources into bringing on a new client and getting them up to speed. And, you know, risk is a big, is a big thing. It's a big thing. Um, you know, if you're... And it's going to be different for everybody, right? Like if you're, you know, if I was running a hundred person accounting firm, this big client that we have now, it wouldn't really hurt that much if we lost them, right? Because we'd probably have 10 of those clients at that point. But right now when we only have one or two and we're a lot smaller, that's going to hurt a lot more. So this can, this evolves over time. What is a big client? Uh, where, where's the risk that you can take as a company it's going to be different for everybody. You need to assess that for yourself and for your business. Um, but there's ways that you can, like we said in the beginning, to build out your client base, to just make your business more profitable, uh, take less risk, uh, and really accelerate um, and smooth out that growth so that you can just plan better. Yeah, I totally agree. What's interesting is that and and this this goes back to you mentioned uh, how it's a, it's harder to find the bigger client. For me, the only ways I've ever been able to get the bigger clients are either through referrals or going to the trade shows or dumb luck. Yep. And the 
the smaller clients are a lot easier to find because like whether it's the chamber or like gosh two weeks ago I, I told you about this recently i i literally go on facebook and i look up uh, a, a business group or a group about new braunfels texas that's just got a bunch of people that talk about businesses they love in new braunfels and i just was like posted a collage of video or a collage of pictures showing me filming in a lot of different places doing with a lot of different gear and was like hey my wife and i recently moved here we do video for a living we own cinema cameras and this that and the other we do business commercials yada 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 just wanted to put that out there in case everybody anybody you know ever had a need for a branding video or something like that man i got a ton of business <laughs> off of that i got like 10 meetings off of that and several of them have already turned into signed contracts and that was just two weeks ago and, it's, and that's because it's easier to find clients like that right. um and so it, there's nothing wrong with looking for those types of jobs because even then they could turn into something else down the road you never know 100 percent. never know i'll say i'll say one last thing to add to add on to this um one of for me like one of the hardest things about running a business is like the emotional swings yeah. in business oh where like up and down and we oh man we haven't had a client up in two months or we're waiting for this or we just got a huge client and now we're on top of the world and everything can slow down like getting wins big or small feels good and it puts you in a good emotional state to continue to push forward and even if it like is like for you like a small video or for me a small bookkeeping client like i get excited about that it keeps me going it keeps my mind right then if i just had gone three months and haven't brought on a new client like now i'm in a bad place and that comes through and when i'm talking to people when i'm trying to sell something like that comes through and it actually lowers your chances of getting something. Yeah, because so, you might even seem like desperate or something. Yeah, you know? and you're just not going to, you know, people are attracted to people who are happy and joyful and have confident. hope. Yeah, confidence, huge. Confidence is huge. And getting small wins, you know, even if you don't think it's much, can really build that confidence and, and, and it'll come out in you and you'll just be more successful in what you're doing. You just will. I totally agree. You know, we've used the word in the podcast today, diversify uh, diversify your portfolio. What do you think about diversifying your portfolio in terms of the types of industries you focus on? I'll give you an example. I've taken yeah. on some different clients recently. Like yesterday, I got a new customer that is, I'm doing a recruitment video for a sorority at Texas State mm -hmm. University. And is it's totally out of my element it's not the typical type of project i would do it's a lot of fast camera movement a lot of quick shots so just i don't know it's just different than my style but it's a it's, you know it's a decent paying job and it helps me to diversify my portfolio from a perspective of going in and trying a project like that doing something that's not in my element doing something that i'm a little little less comfortable with but learning how to be successful in that and then now i have this like i'll have this like project you know assuming i do a good job with it yeah. i'll have this project that's totally different than anything else i've done and i'll be able to maybe use that to branch into other other industries 100 percent. i i would say it's a balance i would say it's a balance and the reason i say that is for i'll just speak to for for me and you'll you'll probably have something similar to say but um if we spread ourselves too thin with industries, we, we're not going to be as specialized as we are. 
<clears throat> I do agree with that. So yeah. we typically work with service companies and technology companies. And I can go in and there's tons of those out there. Now, is there is there some, a little bit of risk if something should happen to like all the technology companies or all the service? Yeah, there is. So there might be a little bit more, but I think the upside is higher with us focusing on those because now we can say we specialize in those. Um, on the flip side of it, we have some clients that are in other industries that we'd be happy to work in. And if I have one client in that industry, if somebody comes in the door, let's say it's a manufacturing company, we don't really work with those, but I have one. If someone comes in the door, like, yeah, we have a manufacturing client, you know, you'd be happy to, they'd be happy to talk to you. Well, my chances of bringing that on went way up because I have a client that's in that. So I think it's a balance. I'd yeah. say it's a balance, you know, and, and like you said, like you, you do a video in a, in something that you're not familiar with. I think it can sharpen your skills. I could say the same about me. It can show that you could do that and then you could potentially get other clients in that industry. Um, but there has to be a balance. And I would say, I guess the last point I would say, and then I'll kick it back to you is only do it in an industry that you would want to do more work in. Totally agree. Yeah. Because if you are doing it just to like make some more money, um, but you're like, I don't really want to be in this industry. Then, it, then you could be spending that time focusing on something else that's in an industry that you really want to be into in the future. I would, I would say that. Dude, I totally agree. In fact, I actually, so on one of my previous podcasts, a couple of months back, I actually talked about something similar. I, I talked about why I don't, why I don't do weddings or real estate and why I avoid them like the plague. And a part of it is because I don't want to do work in those industries. And another part is, yeah. is I don't want people to think of me as someone who does wedding videos or real estate because I want people like, it's interesting when I made that, I talked about this post I made recently, um, about, uh, you know, in the new Braunfels business group or whatever. And I posted about moving here and doing video. I had four real estate companies contact me from that post all four of them wanted to talk to me about doing video work, but here's the interesting thing. Not one of them asked me if I did real estate video work, which is the most common thing. Like that is like one of the most common types of videos out there, but not one of them asked me if I did res if I did real estate video. What they actually contacted me about was, can you do a commercial or a branding video for our business? Well, that that's all because that's a perspective I gave off. That's a perspective my website gives off. It's a perspective my branding gives off. I want people not to think of me as a wedding videographer or real estate yep. you know, video company. I want them to think of me as someone you go to when you want to do commercial work or branding work. Not that one's better than the other. It's just though, like you said, those are just the types of work that I or the industries that I want to focus on or the type of videos I want to mm -hmm. focus on. So when people think of commercial work, they'll think of me. And so it, it works because I got four meetings with four customers who all four are looking for what I, I like to do or what I'm trying to do. If you yeah. If, if I went in there and was like, yeah, I'd be happy to, like, if anybody also wants to do a wedding or real estate or whatever, I lose my target audience. And so I do think it's important, like you said, to have your industries that you focus on or the type of work that you focus on. You brand yourself that that's what you do and you make that your primary focus. But it is a good thing to still diversify your portfolio from a terms of, like, the, like, I probably won't be like the keen of doing sorority hype videos. <laughs> You might. Well, you might. I might. You, you might never be. know. But but what it will do is it will give me a different type of video skill set, a different style of yes. shooting that I could take to my corporate clients. 100%. 100%. I, I think in addition to that, 
it also has to be a business decision, right? Has because to be. I know for us, there's certain industries that we just simply won't make much profit on because I can only charge up to a certain amount and there's just too much work and detail there that we're just not going to make any money on it. And I'm assuming there's industries for you that you're like, if I go into this, whether it's, uh, you know, other people in the industry just cutting the prices down or it's just going to take too much time and you can't charge enough for it. You know, you have to also look at it from that word. Real estate. Margin, That's why I don't do real profit. estate. <laughs> yeah, there probably isn't a ton of profit no margin money there. And it just doesn't make any sense for you to do that. So it has to also be, it's a balance. Like I said before, it's a balance between all of these things, right? Learning new skills, getting into other industries, pursuing those further, uh, diversifying risk, but where's the profit margin side of it? Do I, and then also, like you mentioned, a big one, do I want my brand reflected as doing this type of work? Because that's that's important too. So it's a balance of all of these things that need to be considered you know, when you're going kind of outside of what you normally do. Yeah, because like if people looked at you and they're like, oh, he just does taxes, they won't call you to give you the account that to do bookkeeping or anything else like that you know yeah and that happens a lot and i don't really promote like we don't have taxes i mean we did before but not anymore we don't have taxes on our website i don't tell anybody about it and people still come at us and say can you do my taxes now if i was out there and telling people like yeah maybe we could do taxes or we did a couple tax returns like my brand would all i'd be getting flooded with tax returns of clients that could potentially be accounting and bookkeeping clients right? But they're not even coming to me for that. I'm not even getting that shot because I'm not branding myself properly. That, yeah. It's a big I think, deal too. I think that's huge, man. That's yeah, so important. Is. That's why my wife, she asked me once if I'd second shoot a, a wedding for, she does wedding photography. <laughs> and I struggle with that, man, because it's like my yeah. wife, I don't want to tell her no, but dude, I don't want people in the community seeing me there at a wedding with a camera in my hands because immediately yeah. they're going to think of me as a wedding videographer. Right. And that right. kills my brand that I've spent so many years trying to build up. I know it sounds silly to some people, but that's it. There's like a lot of truth to that. It's true. Because they're going to, they could potentially, not only are they going to probably bring that work to you, which you don't even want, right? You're not even going to take it. But they're going to, when they think of Josh, they're going to think of Josh, the wedding photographer. Right. Not Josh, right? the and then, commercial And guy. then when they go somewhere else and they're in front of this big oil company who needs a video, they're not going to think of you because you're Josh, the wedding photographer. The local wedding photographer. That's exactly what they're going to think. They'll, they're not going to even, you're not even going to get a shot at that. So you no. have to, I agree, you have to, you have to protect that. And I feel like even more so in your business than mine, because you're so front facing with like your video and, and you're in front of people. And, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff is totally so agree. more front facing than I am. You know, I need to protect mine too. But in certain industries like yours, it's to me, it's even more important. It's even more vital. What advice do you have to someone who's like trying to grow their business today? They're looking to they're looking to expand their client base, but they don't even know where to start. And I, yeah. I think for me, I'll, I'm going to preface this for you. I'm going to I'm going to pitch this from a video perspective. I think a lot mm -hmm. of people that get into video work, the first thing they want to do is make a reel and throw it online, and they think that they'll get all their work off of Facebook or social media. And I don't think that's really true. Tell me to anybody who's wanting to start a business or start a business who wants to grow their client base, how can they do it? I would say the two starting points are if you have any current clients that you're working with, 
analyze what you've done for them, right? What's worked, what hasn't. Like go into as much detail as possible on every single job. Am I profitable on this job? Do I like doing this job? Do I want to continue in this industry? Can I find these people? Analyze, analyze, analyze as much as you can. And then after that, be as detailed as possible building out your target. The more detailed you can be, as specific as you can be with your target and who you want to go after, then you can start building strategies around getting in front of that target. But until you understand exactly what that target is and also why you're going after that target, you're just going to be floating around, taking on stuff that maybe is profitable, maybe it's not, maybe it's in an industry you don't want to be in, maybe it's not. Um, you have to define that target and the reasons why you're going after that target. To me, that's got to be the starting point for everybody. And I'm you know, I've been in business for 10 years and I'm still doing that. Like right. I do your that target all evolves. the time. Your target audience or target market evolves. All the time. Yeah. So you have to be thinking about that. But as a, but if you're just starting out or maybe you have a couple clients, start to define that as much as you can and then get laser focused on just being in the face of that target all the time. I don't, that, that's probably what I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if you don't know who your target audience is, if you're just like, I'm just going to be an accountant. <laughs> or may, maybe you'll join yes. a firm or something. But like, if you just like want to start an accounting business, which, you know, you need to know like, who do you want your target baits to be? Right. You know, same th- same with video. If you're, if you're doing video, do I want to do weddings? Do I want to do real estate? Do I want to do business? Right. Do I want to focus on doc work? You have to identify that or else you have no, like, how would you ever know how to go out and find the customers? You won't. You can't, you can't just throw online, I am a videographer. You might get one or two jobs that way. But if you're like, hey, I want to focus on, corporate work and I'm going to focus on these industries, then you can find trade shows for those industries and buy a booth and set up and be in front of your target market. Or you can say, hey, there's some kind of big event going on. I want to do winery stuff, marketing for wineries, and there's a huge winery event coming up. I need to be there in front of all these wineries. You have to identify your target first. In addition to that, from a referral standpoint, like, let's say that you and I were in a partnership and I was coming to you and I'm I'm going to be an accountant, right? And I want to work. Let's say that I don't I don't know who I work with. Josh, I'm an accountant. I need help. I need some clients. Can you go find me clients, right? <laughs> I'd be like, who? Exactly, right? Yeah. You're going to be out there and you're going to have, you're not going to be thinking about it because it's so broad, right? But if I went to you and I said, hey, Josh, I want to work in the accounting space with wineries, right? The next time you're at a winery, or you talk to somebody who runs a winery, there's a decent chance you're going to think about me. Oh, yeah. Didn't didn't Dave say that he just wants to work with wineries? Okay, yeah, now I remember that. 100%. Because I was specific. And so it goes even further than just like how you target. It's working with your referral partners and giving them something so specific to think about. Because if you make it too broad, they're not going to think about it. And I've experienced that firsthand. I've made things super broad before wasn't getting any referrals. And now when I, I've dialed it down like very specifically in the past couple of years, and I get a lot more referrals now because they, when they hear that specific thing, they think of me. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Like I, I was at a networking group last week and uh, one of the things they said is what is each person's ask 
for the week. And this one girl mm-hmm. said, she owns a marketing agency. And she said, my ask for the week is I, I like to only work with, do marketing with one customer per industry. My ask this week is I'm missing someone from the roofing industry. So if anybody in here knows someone in the roofing industry, I would love to pick them up as a client. And someone stood up and said, man, there's actually someone who wants to join the group that's a roofer. Well, I'm going to connect you to them. Boom. Like that. She might have a roofer client. Yeah, yep. she may, Maybe she won't, but maybe she will. Well, well, think about it, right? Like you're talking about it right now. If she had said, hey, I just want to market for any company in the world, would we be talking about her no, right now? No, we would not. Of course we wouldn't. No, but I remember. But you brought it up. Again, we're not like looking for work, but you brought it up because she was so specific. You remembered it. And now you and I are talking about it. She did, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Exactly, yeah, because if I ran into a roofer and I thought he might be or she might be a good fit for this person, I'd be like, hey, give this girl a call. 100%. She's been looking for someone just like you, and I think she could really help you out. 100%. It, and I get nothing out of it. It's just she asked, and I'm right. going to help her out. You know what I mean? Right, right, <laughs> I think, right. I think being laser-focused is extremely crucial. I want to ask you this before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. If someone's starting – Someone's starting to look for ways to grow their business. I see a lot of times people are willing to trade out their business for mm. other services. Maybe they want to do a, a little bit of bartering. Hey, if you, you know, I see this a lot from the hunting perspective. I'll give you an example. Um, I have friends that are getting into filming in the hunting world and they'll be, they'll call up like a hunting outfit or something and be like, Hey, I want to do a video and the outfit might pitch them and say, yeah, I'll let you do a video, but we can't pay for it, but we can let you come kill a free deer or come kill an elk or something. And, and they'll say, yeah, 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 I'll do it. What do you say to that? Do you think people should take jobs like that to to like any type of bartering job or trade of services to get their name out there or or is that a bad idea? I would say nine out of 10 times it's a bad idea in my opinion. I think in very, very specific situations, I think it could be okay. Um, Where in those situations, I think things have to be very, very defined about what everybody's doing and the value placed on it. I think where you run into issues with that is your the the value is not going to be equal usually. I think there's someone is going to you know be be getting something that they a little bit more than the other person. Um, and I think the other thing that um, people really really undervalue is I wrote an article on this man probably like five years ago, and I talked about like your most valuable asset, and it's time right? It's one thing that just continues to tick and we can't get it back. And by doing something for a barter, what you're actually giving up is your time. And you feel like you're getting something for free, right? You're tricking yourself. It's like, oh yeah, I'll do Josh's taxes and then he can make a video for me. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to be doing taxes anyway. I can get it for free, but I got to put in a lot of time to do Josh's taxes, right? And I'm devaluing my time, right? Where if I just, you know, if I just had said, you know what, like, I'll just charge Josh for my taxes and then I'll buy the video from him, right? Maybe it turns out to be the exact same amount, but I feel like I'm valuing my time more and you're just creating a good habit into the future. Because once you go down that barter path, you're going to be looking for that all the time. And it just... it. I just have seen a lot of issues. Again, I think there's very specific situations that that could work. I've just seen it go south too many times. I've been in those situations before. Um, 
And I think the devaluing of time, your time, is a really big deal that we need to be very, very careful with. So that's how I would answer that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, like you said, under certain circumstances, it could work. I think what I've learned in my experience is it kind of has to be your idea. And you have to go into it knowing that knowing that you may not get a ton out of it, but understand the risk involved. And I, I, I think like what I, what my, my challenge is, is if someone, if you approach someone and they're talking to you about doing video, for instance, and the, what prompted me to bring this up is I got someone who messaged me on Facebook and said, Hey, I wanted to talk to you about doing a video project. And we started the conversation and then it led to, Oh, by the way, I would like to trade my services for your video. And it kind of made me a little mad. (laughs) But but the thing is, is like if they really valued what I was doing for them, then they would pay me. Because if they if they truly valued it, they would pay me. And then if they thought that I valued their service, then they would think that I would pay them. You know, I I feel like if they think what you're offering, whether it's accounting, video, photography, deck cleaning, I don't know. If they value you, they they will pay you. If they truly value it, you. And if you value them, you'll pay them. The only times I feel like it really works is it's got to be, like I said, kind of like your idea. For example, um, when I first moved here, I knew nobody in the area. This is like in 2014. So I, I donated a video to a Christian school. I only thing they paid for was expenses. Mm-hmm. I knew I probably wasn't going to get a whole lot out of it, but I just wanted to like meet some people, do something for a good cause. It was for Christian school. I thought, man, this is, you know, I'll do something to help them out. Maybe I'll meet some people, but I had very low expectations. It worked out because they played it at a banquet and they asked me to stand up after the video and it got a standing ovation. And next mm-hmm. thing you know, a bunch of people came up and introduced themselves. And I could, I attribute to most of, most of my connections I've made in the Hill Country today come from that banquet and that video mm-hmm. being played there. So it can work out. But that was my mm-hmm. idea. I offered it and I had low expectations. If it wouldn't have happened, it would have been okay because I knew that going in that the expectations weren't good. Another example is the chamber thing I talked about. I'm not, I, yes. I, I don't, I know I'm not asking them to give me the same value that I'm giving them. I'm just, I, I know I'm happy if they give me a booth and I have a place to like set, set my gear up for a booth and, and, and I can yeah. be a sponsor, then fine. But I'm offering my services to them for free because I just want to network and have my camera in front of businesses across town. That's all it is. And that's, that's all. And that's what I'm getting out of it. I'm okay with it. It was my idea. That's my expectation. Right. That has to that has to be how it goes, or else I don't think you should do it. Yeah, I think the value thing is a big deal. Um, you know, because if if I trade accounting services for your video services, I feel like what I'm saying what to what you said, like I'm saying like what my your video services aren't worth me paying for. I'm just gonna take my time. And I can tell you for certain, and I know you'll agree that if in the relationship there's not equal value like if you pay me a hundred dollars and i don't give you a hundred dollars back in value or perceived value that relationship is destined to fail and you do not want to fill your time up with relationships where the value is unequal or you will be they're destined to fail i mean i can't say it any more clear than that oh dude I brought I brought up the hunting one as an example because this individual I know swapped an elk hunt for uh, a video and he 
he went out and filmed for five days for this ranch and on like the sixth day he finally got to hunt elk and but it was too late it was the last day he was there and it was the only day he got to to hunt and they had already been filming other hunters and all this stuff and so they kind of burnt the area out and by the time it was his turn to get his value his value he didn't even see an elk and so he the owner of the outfit's like, hey, you got the elk hunt. Where's my video? And the guy's like, yeah, but I got the hunt for one day. You got five days of video work. And he's like, yeah, but that was the deal. You know what I mean? So that, as you can imagine, that relationship did not yeah. did not last. It soured. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. That yeah. Tends to happen. So, yeah, that would be, unless it's one of the, like, the situations that you kind of talked about, it's on your terms and you're okay with probably not getting the same value back. Yeah, I'd say it'd be okay to do, but I I certainly would not make a habit of it. And no. I would say if you're unsure, I would say it's probably not a good idea. It don't it nine, don't nine, good. Yeah, nine times out of ten, it's not <laughs> right. Don't and don't think going into it that if you do that, it's going to turn into a long play customer down the road. Because right. once you do something for barter barter something, they'll never pay you. Right. More than likely, I, I would agree. More than likely, they will not. Well, dude, this has been an interesting podcast. We managed to run over an hour and 15. I appreciate you hopping on and hopefully people can get some value. Okay, sorry. That's, right. that's, that's how you know it's time to get off. <laughs> so get that's right, some, yeah. We can get some value off. out of this podcast. <laughs> um, Dave, if uh, I'm gonna, I want to ask you, who's a good referral for you? I'm going to ask you this on the podcast. Who's a good customer for you and how can they find you? Yeah, so to be as targeted as possible like we talked about typically we're working with clients that are doing 500,000 to 10 million in revenue service and and technology companies so that's about as specific as i could be we work with the owner the ceo whoever's running it um in those industries in that size those are those are good clients for me and last but not least before i let you go canon versus sony I got to go Sony, man. Got to go Sony. All right. He ended that on a good note. Thanks, guys, (laughs) for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. If you're not yet a member of the Filming with Josh Facebook group, hop on and ask to join the day. You'll find Dave is a member of the group there as well. Um, He does some interesting video work for his uh, nonprofit, Rooted Outdoors. And, uh, yeah, check that out as well. But, guys, thanks for listening in. We'll see you next week. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.